0: at it on a Tuesday. Big weekend of uh, of NFL now in the books. The Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football getting a win. Everybody's got a loss in the NFC North now. And uh, even though the uh, the Packers are behind the Vikings because of the tiebreaker situation, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings, one and one, Packers, Lions, Bears, Bears, sitting in the basement right now. But uh, the Green Bay Packers, they got a win. They got a solid win. The defense, in between the sandwich that was bad defensive stands, that being even though they did get the goal line stand, uh, the first drive and the last drive of the Chicago Bears, they went down the field rather rather easily. Two different scenarios, though. One was just basically playing a semi-prevent. The other one was really going all in. In the meantime, everything sandwiched in between. The defense played pretty well. The offense said, "Oh, by the way, if you do hand the ball and put the put the ball in the hands of uh, Aaron Jones quite often, he is a playmaker, which we know they just have to consistently do it." Uh, but joining us now as to, to the future of this ball club going into the game against Tampa Bay, Peter Bukowski, locked on Packers podcast. Pete, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm I'm good. I'm I'm glad that um, we uh, we get to we get to kick off another NFC Central Rivalry Week this week. Remember the old NFC Central?
0: Right. The old, the old black and blue division, as they said, from years gone by. And then it was the Battle of the Bays and all that kind of stuff. And, it, it you know, yes, I, I get it. Um, but let me ask you this. What did you learn last night?
1: Well, I learned that, that Matt LaFleur offensively is willing to be as adaptive as he needs to be offensively to make this all work. I mean, when you look at what the run game was able to do, um, you know, there was there was a point in that game where Aaron Jones had an eight yard run and it reduced his yard per carry average. I mean, that was that was how much they were taking it at this Chicago Bears front that played pretty well, particularly in the second half against the forty ers who have one of the most creative and effective run games in the National Football League. So I think offensively you like to see that. Defensively, I would say, frankly, it's a lot of the same. Um, some of the run defense issues that have, have plagued this team, really going back to Mike Patton, um, are, are still there with guys not finishing. this was In this case, last night, I think it was more about guys just not making tackles when they had um, the chances. We had Devondre Campbell. Uh, miss a couple tackles, which where he was the flow linebacker, guys going under blocks and and just not flowing properly to the ball, not flowing with discipline. And then you know guys like Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage not making open field tackles when in this defense you you really need that in order to be effective. I don't think it's guys you know just getting destroyed up front. I think a lot of it has to do with what they're doing behind that. But but the coverage part of it, when they don't bust coverages, this this is a really really good group of cover corners. I don't think. You know, shutting down Justin Fields and and a, a pretty pretty average to below well no pretty below average group of of Bears receivers is all that impressive, but they they looked worse last year against some of their more inferior opponents because they didn't seem to take it I don't know seriously or whatever. They they came out and and I thought played really well on the back end in this game.
0: So the offense, um, I, the one thing that I noticed last night was that I mean don't get me wrong the Vikings lost and they have weapons. They just got defended differently, and Kirk Cousins became Kirk Cousins under pressure. But when you look at the teams, I, I, you know, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm sitting at home watching these two teams go at it last night, I'm going, oh, my God, what I wouldn't give for that. You know, it goes back to when, you know, almost Ron Wolfe said that he didn't get, you know, Brett Favre enough weapons. They've had weapons. This is the first year that Rodgers has looked over the offensive members and said, you know, uh, we don't have the same level of talent as what some other teams have. But i got to think, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, man, I'm sitting in my home going, what the hell? Because can you only imagine what the Packers would be if they had two not just one, but two wideouts, not, say, Devontae Adams type, but if you had a couple of wideouts like they have in Buffalo or what they have down there in Philadelphia and the ability to be able to kind of spread the ball all over the field, do it almost at will, and mix in the run with a guy like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, then this team is the legitimate Super Bowl contender that everybody thought they were. But I, I just don't think they have the same level of capacity when it comes to the offense and the firepower.
1: No, they don't. Um, and, and they don't have the, the skill talent, the pure skill talent, the same way that those teams do. But I think if you go back and look at some of the playoff exits for the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era, they've lost to some teams that, that had inferior skill talent. I mean, that, that 49ers team that ran them off the field in San Francisco in 2019, that was, that was rookie proto Debo. It was, you know, late stage Emmanuel Sanders. Now, yeah, George Kittle is a really good player, but that was it. And they're going up against Devontae Adams and, and Mark West, Valdez Scantling and Alan Lazard and and a really nice group of players like and a really good offensive line with Aaron Rodgers. You should be more successful than they have been. And I think when, when you take it in that context, now the Packers defense has not shown it can be as good as that 49ers defense was. But this 49ers team last year defensively was not special until the end of the year. And then all of a sudden they got healthy and they were locking teams down. And they did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, if, if the 49ers can get to the NFC Championship game twice with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the Packers defensively have the talent to play at a, at a really high level. And they have the run game. We've seen it now for two weeks. This this Vikings front is is pretty good. And even against a really good Eagles offensive line that is healthier than Green Bay's. They were really good. And, and so I, I think the, the run game part of this for the Packers is real. If they're able to manufacture some touches for some of these other guys, for Sammy Watkins, for Romeo Dobbs. I mean, Dobbs had that crucial second and 28 screen for 20 to make it third and manageable. They convert that and, and end up getting points off that drive. Those are the things that they think our team can be more efficient with our Six or eight possessions a game than you can be with your six or eight possessions a game, and when you have Aaron Rodgers, I think that's a safe bet to make. Could they have made some upgrades? Yeah, sure, but but also remember, Bill, when Aaron Rodgers agreed to this new three-year deal, he did so with the understanding that Devonte Adams was very very unhappy with the team, understood that he wanted out, and that this was going to be a revamped group of skill players. This was something they talked about um, on Sunday. Uh, during the game, that, that Aaron Rodgers, look, he, he was excited for this challenge. Um, now, now, maybe he, he bit off more than he could chew, and maybe he's, he's regretting some of that right now, but he knew what he was walking into. Tom Brady recruited Cole Beasley, recruited Julio Jones. Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to recruit. Okay, if he feels like he needs more guys, then he should go recruit some.
0: I uh I, I look at this game coming up and I think it's gonna be won defensively, not offensively. Uh if you don't have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's down, Julio Jones who looked good in game one, down, Donovan Smith uh, over at the left tackle position down right now. You're gonna get uh, Josh Wells probably over at the left tackle, but Brashard Perryman, Scott Miller, uh Russell Gage, you know, uh, the tight end Cameron Braid, who I think is pretty solid, but and you still have a good run game with Leonard Fournette, you're going to win it in the trenches. you got to make, uh, you got to make Brady uncomfortable. He's a little more prone than Rodgers to throwing a pick, although he doesn't throw, uh, you know, he, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is very similar to what Rodgers is. He doesn't turn it over. But when you talk about the defense now of Tampa Bay, that's a whole different story. And Akeem Hicks, who seemed like every time he faced the the, the Packers as a bear, he was hurt. At least he's healthy right now with Golston and Vitave up front boy, I tell you what, they're going to need Bakhtiari back. But if he comes back, how good will he play after what we saw at Elton Jenkins this past week? And he's been out almost two years. This is a hell of a game to come back and start testing David Bakhtiari, if indeed he does this week. So I I think this game's one in the trenches myself, right?
1: Uh, It has to be. And and we saw this with Mike Patton in the 2020 NFC Championship game. The first half, they tried to play a lot of shell coverage and say – all right. It's it's man time. We are gonna we're gonna rush for and, and try and, and cover everything on the back end. And Tom Brady picked them apart, including and especially on that last that last drive in the first half, which was really the backbreaker. You know, we we, we know all about the miscommunications and and the issues with, with oh he, he wanted uh, man coverage but didn't want single high safety necessarily and Mike Patton misheard the call and Kevin King does whatever Kevin King does. But then in the second half, they started to tune Tom Brady up. And all of a sudden, he starts to turn the ball over. And now Mm -hmm. the Packers have not blitzed, not not a true blitz all season. Two games have not blitzed one time. Now, they brought five-man pressures because they're playing this penny look with three defensive linemen and two outside linebackers. But they have not brought actual extra rushers yet, more than you can block. I think this has to be the game where you start to do that. And then, to your point, uh, on the other side of the ball, the Packers in the trenches have to be able to win. This has to be real with, with what they can do on the ground game. And right now, the, the Tampa Bay defense is not the same. It's not the same against the run that it has, it has been in 2020. Teams just didn't even bother running at them
2: because they were just
1: too good this year. It's not the same. And And if you turn it over, yeah, the Packers' run defense is theoretically vulnerable to strong run games, and we saw Leonard Fournette you know, put up some nice yardage totals against the Cowboys in week one. They're 32nd in estimated points average per rush this season. The worst value run game in the league this year, the, the Buccaneers are. But yeah, the Packers have had their issues, but because of those issues at the offensive line, because their receivers have been hurt, teams are saying, all right, Tom Brady, we, we don't think you can push the ball down the field. It's loaded box time. We're coming after you, and we don't think you can beat us. And so far, this is not the Tampa Bay offense we thought we were going to see. Mm-hmm.
0: The Packers offensively, I know that Rogers said, you know, hey, it was better than last week, but and then it's always f- led by a butt. Now, you can always get better. Don't get me wrong. Who on this offense take the take the backs out of it? Who on the offense becomes the focus? Do you think is it Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb? See, Randall Cobb to me is really the focus when the play breaks down. He's got that relationship with Rodgers. But right. who is, we saw a lot of motion out of Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, and they were almost deca- uh, decoys to drag defenses back and forth so Rodgers could set up what it is he saw and know where the mismatch was. But do you see either one of them emerging, or is Alan Lazard your guy?
1: Well, I think in the short term, um, the answer is Sammy Watkins. And I don't think that's the long term case because the more, I, the more I, you know, we're two weeks in. But they have schemed up a ton of stuff for Dobbs and Watson. And and when you look at total target shares, Romeo Dobbs is the leader on this team in targets through two weeks, which I think would be surprising to most fans just by the eye test. Christian Watson is tied for second. Christian Watson has as many targets through two games as as Sammy Watkins, but they're all schemed up. They're all a little pop pass. He ran a speed out in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. And then, of course, the bomb touchdown. But if you look at where they're scheming up opportunities down the field, it's Sammy Watkins had he had the two strike calls early in this game the play action inbreaker behind for big plays and then it was Sammy Watkins who gets the call on that that deep over route with the clear out from from Christian Watson on a play they call Portland so that that is those are things that you don't have to win as a route runner you're just, you're just running to space this is schemed up that could be Romeo Do that could be Christian Watson. They just don't trust those guys right now to make those plays. I think longer term, and for this team to be what you need it to be, those guys have to start getting some of those opportunities. Um, but but this week, yeah, the answer is Sammy Watkins. They're they're trying to get him these opportunities in space because they trust him to run good routes to make the the, the play that is there, even if all he's going to make is the play that is there. Like that that throw from Rogers um, was not great on the on the deep ball, but if that's Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs, they might score. Just because they have that mm-hmm. kind of speed, Sammy
0: can't run like that anymore. The, uh, the tight end position with Robert Tanyan, uh, I think it gets better. I, I know some people say you've got to get Tanyan more involved. I think what they did was they eased him back. Uh, because now with the, and, and I think part of what Matt LaFleur was talking about and getting Elton Jenkins back is we can start to open things up a little bit. Okay, one is we all know that the tackle situation in week one was not good and Aaron Rodgers was under siege. But when you get Elton Jenkins back and then David Bakhtiari back and then those guys don't have to have help, I think you see the tight end become more involved. Do you?
1: Yeah, and, and when you when you look at it, um, they actually got Josiah DeGuara involved um, more as well in this game. He got and some and more snaps. Like in, week, in, in week one, it felt like he was the odd man out. Tyler Davis was out there a bunch. but But then right away. He's out there and split gun and he did some nice things as a blocker. They used him as, as I think this was the, the first game since Minnesota week one, 2020, where we got the full, this is what they want your side to guard to be. This is who they envisioned when they drafted him, play a little fullback, play a little tight end, split out, block a little, do some, do some interesting things, be a decoy. And then every once in a while, you know, leak this guy out and, and get him in open space. Because we've seen, I mean, r- remember week 18 last year, he had that 65-yard tight end screen for a touchdown. He's mm-hmm. got juice yeah. in the passing game in a way that Tyler Davis, Mercedes Lewis, and maybe even Big Bob Tunyon don't. So he's a guy that I think in this game especially, and this was really interesting, Bill, they, they right away, DeGuar out there, they run this play-action play to Sammy Watkins, and they do it from from heavy personnel, from, from 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field. And the Bears basically said, okay, if they're going to be able to throw it from two tight, these two tight end sets, we got to play nickel. Well, if teams are going to play nickel, then here comes this downhill run game. Here comes AJ Dillon as the fullback lead blocking on the edge. Here comes all these pin and pull schemes, all these fun things that they did in the run game. And now you're putting cornerbacks and safeties in a position to have to tackle. That's really, really tough against Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones right now leading the league in, in, in missed tackles forced. So, uh, that's that's part of the formula here
0: so we go from the guy that is starting to be used in josiah deguara to and by the way De, deguara had 22 percent of the snaps 15 not 5 15 snaps i i misspoke there uh but the guy that's not getting any and that's uh amari rogers he is basically a returner and he's adequate i guess at best uh what do you do with amari rogers at this point
1: <laughs> adequate at best yeah uh, that is that is damning with faint praise, isn't it? I mean, and and that, and that is more generous than Aaron Rodgers was when he said, "Yeah, he's returning kicks for us." Um, it it is, I wouldn't say shocking, but it is it is damning that he can't get on the field for an offense that needs that needs some playmaking. And I don't know if it's that they don't trust him to hold on to the ball, if they don't trust him to run the right routes, that they don't trust him to catch the ball. But but notice the tonal difference when Aaron Rodgers talks about Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Versus when he talks about Amari Rodgers. it is night and day. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a work ethic thing. Like Amari Rodgers' dad is in the NFL; he he's he grew up around Randall Cobb. Like it would it would be genuinely shocking to me if this guy didn't study, if this guy didn't didn't put in the work um, in in the film rooms, if he was you know lost, falling asleep in meeting rooms. Like that would be shocking. This guy right. should should get the deal. So what is keeping him from from taking that step? I would I would love to know that answer and right now we don't have that answer um but I think part of that is just they, they want to get Randall Cobb involved Aaron Rodgers trust him um and we'll see when when the inevitable Randall Cobb injury comes and I'm not I'm not rooting for it it's just probably going to happen based on his history we'll see if that allows Amari Rodgers to get onto the field last year it didn't
0: uh one more before I let you go who you got winning this one
1: you know if if, if Everyone for the Packers, is, it looking like they're, they're coming through this week all right. Alan Jenkins seems like he's coming through. Um, Alan Lazard seems like he came out okay. It's, it's just really hard for me to, to see Tampa being able to score in this game. Like, if, if you're throwing to Scotty Miller and Rashad Perriman, if you're the Packers, you have to win this game. You have to win this game. If Mike Evans can't go because he's, he's suspended, and Chris right. Godwin can't go because he's hurt, and you're getting the shell of Julio Jones, whatever's left in, in those legs at this point, and that's the team and you can't score more te- more points than that team man i think that that would be pretty damning uh, of of this offense right now in in the same much the same way it would have been if the packers didn't do exactly what they did on sunday i think they answered the bell i think it's an ugly game i think it's a low scoring game and the packers win some sort of like 17-13 slog i mean the bucks offensively i think they have i think they have two touchdowns all season so far like it, it's just not been a good group you have to be able to outscore that team right now in the playoffs when everyone's healthy yeah it could be a different story but right now you gotta you gotta beat this team
0: no doubt good stuff man we'll talk to you soon okay Pete? all right thanks bill see you pal peter bukowski of the uh locked on uh, packers podcast peter underscore bukowski you find his stuff there and uh also he works with the leap as well so you can find his stuff on the leap also but uh good stuff for breaking it down coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll put after what we witnessed last night, I had to do a little scratching, okay? Uh, not my crotch or anything. I'm talking about scratching off of the uh, the power rankings because I had to make some adjustments. I had my power rankings coming into today, and I had to make some moves because did, it didn't work out the way I thought it might. But uh, we'll give you the power rankings coming up here about 10 minutes away. Stay tuned. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Got a lot more coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network, welcome in. Good to have you portion of the program brought to you by our friends at boondocks barbecue burgers and brews on county highway q good place good stuff out there in oconomowoc uh uh really it's uh um when you talk about uh, where they're located they got stone bank wisconsin technically but uh good people county road k i said q I, i county road k County Road K uh, in Oconomowoc, but uh, they got a lot of events coming up, and they're doing the food truck for Wisconsin Harley Davidson, who has their bike night uh, coming up tomorrow night as well. So look for Boondocks out there. They're not just a destination, they also come to you at many different locations and many different events. So look for Boondocks Barbecue, Burgers, and Brews, and uh, that's in uh, Stonebank, Wisconsin, Oconomowoc. County Road K, great people, and we, we got to get a show out there. We got to get a show out there eventually, big time. Uh, Mark says he has an issue with the power rankings. Power rankings should go like this. Mark says his power rankings are Buffalo, Kansas City, Philly, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, the Rams, then the Chargers. He said, how can you put the Rams behind the Chargers? The Rams are a better team. They're Super Bowl tested. Uh, The Chargers have not won anything yet. Well, but, you know, neither's Philly. Philly hasn't won anything. They're not Super Bowl tested. You know, Buffalo hasn't been to a Super Bowl since Moses was a baby. I can't base it upon that. He said two is the real deal. Don't knock him. Uh, I wasn't knocking him. I said, look, if he continues to play like this, he's they're going to continue to ascend. Right? No big deal. Uh, Then he says uh, San Francisco and Baltimore. He said I have a lot more faith in San Francisco now that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. Lamar Jackson, overrated. You can't say Lamar Jackson's overrated. Why would you say that? Because Baltimore lost? You're talking about a guy, first of all, he's won the MVP. Um, And granted, he has not looked beyond reproach since then. But are you really going to look at that game and go, yeah, Lamar Jackson, overrated. In a game in which they got beat. Okay, in a game in which they got beat, yeah, two or three for six touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson had a quarterback rating of over 140. He had three touchdowns of his own. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he accounted for almost like 400 yards of offense. Something like that. Between running the ball and throwing the ball. How can you say that Lamar Jackson's overrated? So I, I, don't, I don't agree with you there. I understand where you're coming from, but I don't agree with you. Uh, by the way, uh, this is from uh, Jesse, who said, did you see that the Buccaneers signed wide receiver Cole Beasley? I did. He signed to the practice squad. Uh, and both Chris Godwin and Julio Jones, they're dealing with injuries. Julio Jones, you knew that was coming. It was just a matter of time. Chris Godwin uh, trying to come back, and Evan suspended that one game. So uh, they signed Cole Beasley maybe. He, uh, you know, practices this week, and then suddenly he's elevated. But Cole Beasley's been sitting out there. Uh, Evans, by the way, and I was correct in this assumption, Mike Evans' appeal. They did appeal. Uh, I know they said they were going to, but they did appeal this morning. And the appeal is going to be expedited and heard this afternoon. So we will find out probably a little bit later on this afternoon whether or not Mike Evans is going to get the one-game suspension uh, suspension, uh, reduced to zero games and heavy fine. That's what he's hoping for. You'd rather be fined a large amount than suspended for a game without pay because you lose that paycheck as well. But uh, the big issue for Evans is not the fact that he shoved somebody. It's that he came off of the bench, off of the field, onto the field to shove somebody. And to do what he did, and the NFL takes a very dim view of that. So, just getting you caught up on some of the news and notes. So there you go. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven. You want to find us? Please do so. This is a weird story, by the way. Um, I, and I got to admit, I I didn't. Ben found this. Ben, this whole chess player deal. <laughs> yes. I uh, and I keep forgetting to bring it up, and it it. it <sighs> A top U.S. chess player has become the, uh, the headline is, has become the victim of a bizarre rumor that he used a sex toy
2: to beat the world champion. Yes, a vibrating. He didn't a-
0: beat him up with a sex toy, by the way.
2: No, I'm um, chess. a vibrating anal bead is what is being accused. I'm just pausing
0: to let that sink in there for a minute. Now, we have heard people banging on garbage cans. We have heard about little, you know, things, gadgetry on your watch. We have heard of Spygate, Deflategate, every other gate that's out there. Uh, I have never, ever in the world of competition and or sports, we have heard of steroids, gender misleading, all kinds of stuff. But I have never heard of Analgate. That's what we have now. The un- unsubstantiated rumor, <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face, have spread online suggesting that uh, the American chess grandmaster, which his name is Hans Nieman. He used a sex toy to beat the Norwegian world champion Magnus Carlson. Niman is 19. He beat Carlson. A stunning upset, they say. In the Sincafield Cup on September 4th, he ended Carlson's 53-game unbeaten streak despite having begun the tournament as the lowest-rated player, which sparked speculation when he withdrew from the tournament the following day and tweeted a cryptic video of a Portuguese soccer manager saying, I prefer really not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. Uh, For whatever reason, many observers, including Japanese Grandmaster Hakaru Nakamura, interpreted Carlson's message as suggesting that Neiman cheated during the tournament. Neiman later admitted to having cheated in online tournaments when he was 12 and 16, but said that he had uh, since reformed and vehemently denied cheating against Carlson. Uh, If they want to strip me fully naked, I'll do it. I don't care because I know I'm clean, Neiman said. Uh, You want me to play uh, in a closed box with zero electronic transmission? I don't care. I'm here to win, and that's my goal. He also fired back at Nakamura on Twitter, accusing him of making frivolous insinuations. Um, This is the theory. This is the theory Um, that he used anal beads (laughs) to cheat. I got to admit, Ben, there's a lot of things in the world I've used to cheat. Never used anal beads. Just an FYI. You know, if you want to get a little edge, maybe you're looking at your phone, doing some trivia or something when you're doing uh, trivia in the bar or your computer, but I've never used anal beads. And I don't even know how to. No, no, even don't even know how to. Uh, he said he always had anal, anal beads in his butt for the past 10 years. The theory gained momentum online. Canadian Grandmaster Eric Hansen and Amanda Hamilton discussed the anal beads theory uh, during a Twitch live stream. Elon Musk then deleted it. Uh, it I, I, how 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 do you use anal beads to cheat at chess?
2: Would you like me to literally explain it as a former? What is the, what is what is the theory here? So first of all, none of this surprises me as a former a uh, significant chess player and, uh, you know, participant in that world. I, th- a lot of people cheat. A lot of people go through great lengths to cheat. So uh, the fact someone would go to this length does not surprise me in any way. Um, okay. The way that you cheat by doing this is you have somebody watching the game and uh, in tournaments, it's all spread out and they're observers. And right. I mean, usually you obviously can't talk with them because then it'd be clear But the observer is maybe relaying to someone else who puts it into a computer who then submits a vibrating transmission, you know, to the to the anal bead. And then that would then tell the player what move to make or what move to consider making. Mm -hmm. And it all came up because he did this whole variation that no one had ever seen before. Um, So I don't know. It's probably my favorite story of the year. I cannot get enough of it. These two then played again a couple days later, or a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. actually. And Carlson, the one not cheating, the grandmaster, uh, he forfeited after the first move and said, I will not play you. So the petty world of chess. It's beautiful.
0: So is there like a... <laughs> is there like a vibration to
2: say, you know, rook to queen? <laughs> Kind of like that. (laughs) I mean, you're joking, but yeah, no, there's because there's notation. It's kind of like a Morse code type of thing where maybe it's two buzzes for a bishop, three for a knight, four for a pawn. And then there are all of the squares on the board are labeled. So I they he might get 35 buzzes a turn, which, you know, (laughs) it seems like a lot, but it worked and he won. So kudos Oh my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh we go from last night's NFL, two teams in the NFL that are could that could be vying for a Super Bowl to a story about vibrating anal beads and cheating in the world of chess. We cover it all here on the Bill Michaels show, ladies and gentlemen. In your ass. <laughs> just to say it.
2: Oh, my goodness. I have my finger Uh, on the pole spill. Again, I I spent many time at these tournaments when I was in, you know, elementary school, middle school. I saw a lot of cheating in my own eyes. I I just can't get enough of it. It's the greatest story I've ever seen.
0: Oh, Oh my goodness. I got to admit, I am uh, in some areas of life. I am relatively naive. And uh, the world of vibrating anal beads and cheating in chest, I have to admit, that is, that is, <laughs> that slipped by the old goalie on that one. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh my God. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you notice it if you're sitting across from somebody and you hear, I mean, you, you can't just play it off as your abdomen. Growling in sequence, right? I mean, wouldn't you notice that if you're the opponent and they're sitting there? Now, then, again, if you're not sitting on a hard chair, if you're sitting on a a, a soft cushion chair, maybe not. But wouldn't you notice that? Like, you know, and again, I'm not astute in the world of anal beads. So somebody would have to call this program and go, you know, I use them all the time, you know, or
2: whatever. But wouldn't you notice that? I would think you would see your opponent's facial expression Change as the <laughs> turn goes along. It depends where it's positioned, I guess.
0: I notice my phone buzzing in my back pocket, and I can hear others' phones buzzing in their back pocket. <laughs> I think I would notice in a quiet hall playing a game of chess against the grandmaster whether or not his ass was buzzing. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I gotta take a break. We got more coming up after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.